Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Kinda Murdery Season 1, Ghost Towns of the Mojave Desert. Presented by Criminal Content. rocketing down the 15 freeway between Vegas and LA. It's a scorched wasteland of Airstream meth labs and unrelenting heat. This is no place you'd want to stop. But the car's on fumes, so you take the exit and you pull up to the gas station. It's abandoned. A concrete canvas that some local Michelangelo's turned into the Sistine Chapel of spray paint penis. A grave marker for every crazy story lost in the desert sands. These are the ghost towns of the Mojave Desert. And this is Kinda Murdery. Founded in 1870 is a stop on the Wells Fargo stagecoach route. Hinkley, California is the town made famous by Julia Roberts' 2000 Oscar-winning movie, Aaron Brockovich. Beginning in 1952, Pacific Gas and Electric Company built natural gas compressors in Hinkley. The gas holding tanks were treated with hexavalent chromium to prevent rust. Hexavalent chromium is a highly carcinogenic chemical, and it's spread into Hinkley's groundwater in a massive toxic plume. It continues to poison the town to this day, and it turned a once-thriving community into a virtual ghost town. In 1990, Hinkley had a population of 2,026 people. Today there are only 843, and the last school in Hinkley closed in 2013. When it comes to corporate malfeasance, Hinkley is certainly very murdery. But that's a sad story, and we're here to have a good time today. So instead, we're going to dive into some of the wilder happenings in Hinkley's 150-year history of being kinda murdery, pretty darn murdery, and absolutely, positively, super-duper murdery. Hey everybody, I'm your host Zevin Odelberg, and I'm here today with my on-air producer Adam Volrich. Hey Adam, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Uh, I'm thinking this week I'm the Woody to your buzz. How do we feel about that one? Uh, okay. 
Um, <laughs> All right, so that's a no. <laughs> I, I, I've got a pull string. Uh, I've got a pull string and a bunch of uh, cowboy cliches, and you're headed to infinity and beyond. Have I oh got no, that man! Right? I was thinking the opposite there. Oh, you're Woody and I'm Buzz. Yeah, man. Uh, I guess. I, I I guess so. I mean, I you am. Gotta, more you gotta of help a bl- me believe I can fly. I am more of like a plastic blowhard than you but i i know you know we might have to argue over who has the higher eq so i I don't know i don't know if i'm buzzed to your woody also here with sean christensen from criminal content hey sean how's it going hello sir and i'm here with the devastatingly handsome and talented actor eric stockland hey eric how you doing today hi seven i'm good thanks for having me i've been up since seven playing with construction trucks and watching thomas the train with a one-year-old I have handed him off to my wife, and I'm ready to switch gears to violent desert murders. Well, this is, in this show, to be honest, I don't know how much of a gear switch it is, because this is kind of like playing with a one-year-old in the desert murder uh, um, sandbox, you know? I mean, I'm I'm not a whole lot more emotionally developed than your son, I don't think so. (laughs) I did want to ask you, Eric, what are you you working on right now? Uh, I'm working on a, a, a freeform show. You know, Freeform is like, right. it was ABC Family. It's been rebranded. It's like, you know, yeah, more. So, they're, so are they're going like for the, over there. They're great. Are you the high school teacher that all the, the, the high school girls have a crush on or something? I am playing a, I am playing a high school teacher. Are you just fucking with me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I legitimately am. Yeah, I just I imagined like a Freeform show, and I was like, what would I cast you as? Like the oh, high school yeah. teacher that the girls well, are all in love with. Okay, well, English history or music? Yeah, it's been, it's, <laughs> right. it's been on. <laughs> yes. It's math. I'm teaching uh-huh. math. No, um, that's totally unbelievable. Come on. <laughs> nah, right. No, nah, seriously, I don't know <laughs> any fucking math. Um, but yeah, it's a show called uh, Good Trouble, which is the spinoff of The Fosters. Uh, and it's, uh-huh. it's, it's in its third season. They're introducing me as a, as a kind of new, new main uh, uh, guy. But it's, it's nice and you know, not along with uh, uh, your show here, but I'm, I'm playing a nice guy as far as oh, I know. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So that's pretty cool. And what's it called again? What's the name of the show again? Because it's I called Good Trouble. Good Trouble. You yeah. think it's appropriate for my nine-year-old? Uh, I would say. I would say probably not. Uh, <laughs> not yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a pretty terrible parent. So probably, oh, then sure, yeah, go yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, yeah. good. Okay, cool. Well, <laughs> uh, that sounds great, man. All right, you guys. Uh, shall we? Uh, shall we roll into Hinkley, California, and, and see what we find? Oh gosh, yeah. Let's do it. All right. So today, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about the mostly ghostly town of Hinkley, California. And taking a quick look at the itinerary here, it's pretty obvious that Hinkley has plenty of attractions for murder tourists like us. We're going to kick off with a story I'm calling Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Melton, or the clue murder, as in Mr. Melton in the study with the wrench. Everything all right? Yep, two corpses, everything's fine. And then the wrench again, and then the revolver, and then the revolver again. So that's uh, that's story number one. <laughs> On to number two. Next up, we've got the uh, Newberry Tooth Fairy and the Hinkley Dogman murder. So I discovered in researching this episode that Hinkley is not just a murdery town. It's a very murdery surname. So our third story is not about the town, it's about a man named Hinkley. And I'm calling it, Catch Me If You Can, Perform Brain Surgery, or Voluntary Proactive Lobotomies Cure Criminal Behavior, and Other Low Points in Medical History. (laughs) 
<laughs> all right you've sold me good title all right those sound fun guys yes. yeah all right let's do it you didn't tell me much but you told me we'd be talking about a town called hinkley and so i looked it up on you know just the maps app and i oh. saw that it's it, it literally is right off the 15 just before barstow on the way to vegas which is a drive that um we do a lot especially you know yeah i live in los angeles it's one of those things you do uh, when you first move here, because you've seen swingers or because you have friends visit and they are like, let's drive to Vegas, baby. Um, and it Hell looks yeah, like it, it, it really is one of those places that where you're like, oh, I need gas. And if you get off the exit and take a right, you'll go to Barstow. Maybe that's a little bit. But if you get off the highway and go left, like you're in, you're in fucking Hinkley, man. It sounds like shit could go down. Yeah. And, and, and shit does go down. And, and not just the... Uh the corporate poisoning of innocent families. Uh, lots of crazy other things do go down in Hinkley. And I think with that, let's jump right into story number one here. First up, we have Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Melton. The year is April 1966. 40-year-old father of the year, Phil Melton, murders his wife in a jealous rage when she tells him she's running off with another man. Melton's defense hinges on his claim of total amnesia and a, quote, psychomotor seizure, which is a fancy way of saying he's relying on the blackout defense. Okay, first of all, I think at one time in our lives, we may have not been charged with a crime, right? But, like, we've all tried the blackout defense. Like, come on, like, don't, <laughs> listen, I, I didn't mean to. I was too drunk. I don't remember it. Honey, come on, please. I, I slept on top of the bed all night. I passed out. Nothing happened. You know, like, like we've all been, been there in some version of that. And, of course, we know that, like, the blackout defense doesn't work, right? The law doesn't, oh, you were too drunk. Okay, you're not guilty, right? And it certainly doesn't work in our lives. Is alcohol part of the equation in his blackout defense? And you've put your finger on it there. Maybe the key to the blackout defense is to not be drunk. But let, let's dive into the details huh. of this case a little bit. So um, Phil Melton, by the way, Phil is spelled F-I-L, so I think it's probably Philbert. Philbert Melton hmm. comes home up from work one day, and I, I picture him as being sort of this, you know, like uh, Jason Bateman in Ozark, just kind of like the quiet, trodden-upon husband who, who does everything for the family and feels very unappreciated. Hmm. Um, because his wife says, honey, I'm running off with another man, and he apparently has just an instantaneous psychotic break. So here's, here's what he wow. does. He goes and he gets one of those plumber wrenches, like like literally the life size wrench from Clue. Oh, I'm not man. literally that <laughs> wrench. Like I, I have to carry one of those with with two hands, you know. So Melton goes and gets that wrench, and he beats his wife to death. Like immediately, she's like, "I'm gonna leave you," and he just goes and gets the Clue wrench, and he beats his wife to death with it, and then retrieves his revolver, walks back into the study, and he shoots her in the head twice damn just in case the wrench didn't like fully end the life you know he doubles down Oof, he goes geez. for a little insurance no so it's right it's terrible it's very like physical too do you know like what his job was because now i'm just picturing jason bateman doing this is there do you know like what his <laughs> yeah, his physical build is gonna, like was he like a laborer a call from his lawyers <laughs> right is like well I, i'm that's assuming a very physical brutal way to impersonal obviously Absolutely. See, I'm, I'm assuming he's like a skinny pencil neck accountant, but when he goes full Mr. Hyde here, then he 
bulks up into like a foul mouth plumber and just like has that berserker rage. But you know, yeah. Would yeah. you say his name was Phil- Philbert Dilbert or something? Philbert. Exactly. Yeah, he he can't he can't be a specimen of of humanity. His name is his name is uh, Philbert oh. Melton. Come on, come on. He you sounds know, like brand ice cream. Like that's that's what I think his name is. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, and don't leave him on the counter too long, or he'll he'll melt. I, will, I wonder when the last down. year someone was named Philbert. Like well, yeah. Or if it'll make a comeback, if that'll be like a cool name for a child. Yeah, some hipster parents in the 2010s right. definitely brought it back. For sure. Yeah. So my my name is uh, Zevin Philip Antonio Odelberg, which tells me <laughs> just logically that there's got to be a few Filberts out there like right now. Sure. So they have experts from both sides of the issue. One comes in and testifies that, you know, Phil was indeed essentially legally insane, although they don't go with that. They don't call it the insanity defense. They call it the temporary blackout psychomotor seizure defense. And then, of course, another expert comes in and says, no, he was not insane. Oh, other little funny tip from the beginning of this story that I forgot to mention. So let me rewind for a second. When he goes in for his initial bail hearing, and he's and he's already, they haven't had the experts or anything, but he and his lawyer have already landed on this. We're going to go with, I was blacked out, not myself, don't remember anything. And he he requests the bail is set at $15,000, but he actually has the temerity to request of the judge that he's been, that he be released on his own recognizance. Um, This is a guy, remember, who admits that he beat his wife's head to a bloody pulp with a with a giant clue wrench and then went to the bedroom got his pistol and shot her in the head twice she's already dead from the the bludgeoning yeah she's super sure. dead she's double dead did it, like did, no extra lives how did the arrest happen did he turn himself in did like a neighbor call his teenage children were home and just Fuck. called the police so there was oh, no wow. and he mm, ba- and they they arrived immediately and he just kind of looked dazed and was like i don't know what just happened and of course the cops were like he's faking it and he was like no i really don't i just don't know what happened but he has fully admitted that he in fact did this and obviously there were like witnesses in the house but he, mm. he asked the judge to release him on his own recognizance and I read that and I'm like, the balls on this guy. I mean, like, okay, so maybe you had a brief psychotic break, but you definitely beat someone's head with a wrench and then shot them twice. So regardless, Where's the uh, you remorse? shouldn't be Where's just the, walking the yeah. streets. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's like an extreme, like, sociopathic, like, narcissistic, you know, like, entitled thing to, to assume that a judge will let you do that. Right. I would right. be begging to be locked exactly. up if I right. had, had a legitimate break that caused me to do something like that. Put my bail like, no higher question. than 15 grand. Right. And yeah. Wouldn't you be worried that you might get mad at your kids for, like, over nuking exactly. the TV dinner in 1966 and then just be like, well, I already used the wrench, but I do have a tire iron here. You know, mm-hmm. like... I, I would be terrified of that. Yeah. And so, yeah, when I, I was like, man, this guy, this guy's got cajonies for days. Um, so, yeah, that just to give you a little picture. And I think, yeah. Eric, you nailed it. You called him a sociopath. Right. I mean, pretty clearly to me, that's what he is. And yet they go whole hog on the like, I'm a good guy. This isn't me. I just it's not taking responsibility. No, not at all. No. <laughs> exactly. Like the ultimate not taking responsibility. I mean, like I buy... To like say say we didn't know this about him, right? We didn't know the that he insists on you know being let out, etc. I could mm-hmm. almost buy the blackout defense if it's like grabs the nearest object, does something horrible and heinous with it. 
But the moment he then searches for an additional weapon and shoots at someone who's probably already dead, that's where you immediately lose me. Like, I have no way to possibly believe this from that point forward. 100%. Like, knee-jerk reaction, you like, you, you know what I mean? You hear this awful, right, right. adulterous news. I mean, I can't imagine it, but like, maybe that's a blackout version. But a version of blackout is not, I'm going to go get something, bludgeon you, then go get another thing as you're already dead. And like, yeah. over, you know, overkill is what they call it. Like I said, I yeah, watch a lot of exactly. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. that is a very logical, reasonable, not reasonable in terms of like moral action, but reasonable right. in terms of your flowchart of thoughts to be like, oh, I want to make sure she's dead. I'm going to go get my pistol. That's not a blacked out crazy person to both of your points. I, I agree right. in wholeheartedly. So not saying it's premeditated, but like you didn't, you didn't black out, guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I blacked out, but I remember where I hide my pistol. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, yeah, right. I mean, when I'm blacked out, I don't remember where I hide my balls, you know. Um, but anyway. <laughs> um, so, you know, you know, a part of the fun of this show for me is just sort of the, you know, imaginary what ifs of all of these scenarios because we never get to have complete facts. And look, Hinckley, even at its height when it was sort of a poster child for post-war 1950s optimism where people thought they could just move to the bumfuck desert but live the American dream there with a white picket fence and nothing was going to go wrong, like they wouldn't get murdered or poisoned by the gas company or any of that. You know, uh, it was a pretty small community, right? And I kind of think that the whole Jason Bateman Ozark sort of scenario or, or even a more extreme version of that might be, in fact, what was going on here. And, and I feel like his wife may have had a reputation in town as a bit of a, let's call it a, a, a floozy or a, or a ball cutter or some combination of the two. Have you guys seen Steve Martin's The Man with Two Brains? Yes. Uh, Carl Ryan. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal movie. So to me, you know, to me, old Philbert is is some synthesis of Steve Martin characters and the wife is essentially Kathleen Turner. Oh, so it's the woman's fault. I know we always <laughs> go there as a culture, but let me let me put let me tell you this. At least oh, the boy. town okay, thinks good luck. so. Good yeah, I know, right? Yeah, but hold luck, on, dude. hold on. Okay, I'm not saying it's the woman's fault, but let me tell you what happens to old Philbert that caused me to go on that imaginary journey. It wasn't just me willfully drawing sexist conclusions. His children <laughs> testify on his behalf. Really? And and what? And by a jury of his peers, and again, we're talking, you know, not a broadly populated area, a jury consisting of five men and seven women. Shut up. Don't even tell me what happens. Filbert Melton is found 100% not guilty That's of murder. Crazy. Oh my God. That is unfucking believable. And released. Absolutely not. I know, right? Hor- uh, ridiculous. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, now I now maybe I see why you were like oh, wow yeah because right, it's a small community they maybe knew her right the kids were on Dude, his side a, a jury with majority women huh. found him innocent now I know that we as a society trend towards blaming Eve for everything but right. I feel like there had to be some kind of known predisposition for for gross behavior from his wife beyond like. I'm leaving you because if you're at least a half decent prosecutor, you could be like, yeah, she was leaving him because he's the kind of guy that might beat her head in with a wrench and then shoot her twice. You're saying it's like, it's like the, the town and the local justice system sanctioned the hit like almost. 
or at least seemed to really understand where he's coming from. <laughs> like, because, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. You to see what she was wearing. Remind me to well, never, ever go to Hinkley. <laughs> there was, I'm saying there was a medical doctor who testified on both sides of the issue. One said insanity, one said not insane. Yeah. Uh-huh. And yet a jury with more women than men found him completely innocent, even though he did not deny the murder one bit. I mean, to me, that is baffling. He should be in prison. And if he's not in prison, he should be in Arkham fucking asylum. What he should not be is walking the streets. And, and, a t- and in a town where, like, they would have to walk the streets with him, they said, yeah, Filbert, you're good. Like, see you see at church on Sunday. I mean, it blows my fucking mind. Wow. Okay, okay. Yeah. But as we know... This is a town where everyone has been poisoned by toxic chemicals. So, perhaps this backs into the decision somehow. No one is thinking at proper capacity in this courtroom. That, yeah, that could be. Perhaps everyone is, is wrestling with just black, sure. blind rages that they can barely keep the lid on at all times. So even the women are on the jury being like, I almost beat my husband to death with a tire iron yesterday. I, I get it. You know, like, I, I, oh this could God. be yeah, me. in the water. Yep. Yeah. Literally. Like, oh, this God. is 19, 1966, right? 1966, and the poisoning when, when, began in 52. Ah, there we go. Ask. There wow. we go. And they were probably really wow. going whole hog in 66. I think we just solved it. <laughs> <laughs> now Philbert owns a riverboat casino. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> exactly. the Ozarks. Yeah. You know, it's it's pretty remarkable because I really don't want to laugh about the hexavalent chromium poisoning no, thing. It's it's horrific. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. for example, the, the the rate of child disability in um in Hinkley is about 30, 30 something percent higher than the national wow. average. It's extremely sobering. It's really awful, but that is the old saying, right? Must be something in the water when somebody mm-hmm. does something super crazy. And in this case, as we just explored, indeed, something in the water. All right, S- shall we? Uh, shall we? Shall we move on to the to our next uh, our next wonderful tale of, of of woe and kind of murderiness? Let's do it. Let's do it. It's 17 years later in April of 1983 when 44-year-old Frank Ray Alsop, the self-proclaimed Newberry Tooth Fairy, and his presumed accomplice, 19-year-old Ellen Gale Forgia, are accused of murdering 71-year-old James Davies Rowan. Now, Rowan is a former kennel owner from Fontana, and by now he's known as the Hinkley dog man because he lives in a camper shell in a remote desert area right outside Hinkley with, count them, 71 dogs. 71 dogs. How does someone get past 71 dogs to murder their owner? I wouldn't fuck with that, <laughs> that camper shell. <laughs> my, my question was, why do you need 71 dogs? But yeah. Eric, that is the I question right to ask. That. You, are that. Very, you are very perceptive, Eric, because I, that is, in fact, I think, the crucial question. How does someone get past 71 dogs? Well, why so many dogs? Sure. Well, according to Alsup, Alsup is the murderer of the dog man. The dog man was ranching the dogs. Now let's let's talk about you, how do you ranch? What is that? What's yeah, what does that mean? Well, guess what? Spoiler alert! Yeah, I'm going to get into that. Just uh, <laughs> keep keep your pants on. 44 year old Alsup has lost his dog. 
he gets word through the grapevine that perhaps the dog man has it. Or, or maybe he doesn't get word through the grapevine. Maybe he just makes a gross assumption based on the fact that this guy seems mm. to collect dogs like iron filings on a magnet that, oh, if I lost my dog, it was probably inexplicably drawn to the camper of Davies Rowan. So he goes out there and he says, hey, uh, you got my dog man? Dog man? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Whoop. and the dog man says, oh, and this is according to the dog man's um, best friend, a man named Dombrowski, who the week before dog man was murdered had gone out there to hang out with him and bring him some, a selection of canned foods. According to Dombrowski, who'd heard the story from Davies, he says to, says to Alsop, oh, I, I had your dog. But he died. Um, he died, and I buried him in my backyard. Now, at this point, Alsup becomes very distraught. He starts crying, and he accuses Davies of eating his dog. Whoa. So let's rewind for a second. Now let's talk about what I meant when I said that Davies was apparently ranching dogs. Yeah, wait but, a minute. But, but wait up there, though. So I just want to get into first, like... What's the deal with, I had your dog? Like, I did, in fact, get your dog and, I, yes. and, and now it's dead? Like, so the deal with that is he's lying. That's the deal <laughs> with that. <Yeah. laughs> so I had the same exact question that Eric asked immediately, which was, how in the world does anybody sneak past 71 dogs? Well, those dogs would have to hate your fucking guts, <laughs> right? So, so he knew them. Right. The first thing I thought before I researched much at all was that probably this creep, because we've talked about on this show before, that people move to the desert to do things that they shouldn't do and can't do in town. Well, we also completely, we blew past the fact that he has given himself the name the Tooth Fairy. Did you well, say we're going to get to that. Okay. The reasons for that haven't happened yet. <laughs> okay. So my, my first thought. This is the thought, classic dog man versus tooth fairy scene. Yes, right exactly. Yeah. It's, a cla- it's a classic, like, Super Smash Brothers matchup. Right. Um, the tooth fairy is self proclaimed? Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll get to that. Well, but, you know, but it, it is, it's self proclaimed as supported by real world events. I just, I'm not there yet. Oh. Gotcha. So. I thought perhaps that Davies, the dog man, was someone who had molested or raped this young girl, and it was a revenge killing. And then it became clear, through the, as I researched more and read more stuff, it was in fact a revenge killing, but a different kind, and it was a revenge killing for ostensibly believing that Davies had kidnapped and then eaten his dog. That's why Alsup killed him. And at first that sounds absolutely nuts, but then you think about it, Okay, we talked about how people move to the desert so they can indulge in urges that they shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. We talked about the fact that to get by 71 dogs, not one of them liked you. If Davies (laughs) was eating the dogs, the dogs would know that, is my point. Which would very much incentivize them not to protect him. Additionally, why did he move to the... Yeah. Right? They could smell. They could smell it. It's a theory. There's dog meat on your breath. We hate you. Um, Mm -hmm. And then on to why did he move to the desert? Perhaps, guys, he was the Hannibal Lecter of dogs. Stay with me here. He was a kennel owner in Fontana for his entire career. But he didn't just retire to the desert. He basically moved to the desert and recreated his own, like, redneck hills have eyes horror kennel. 
So he didn't retire to get away from the kennel business. He needed the kennel business. Like the way a Sith Lord draws his power from his adherence. Well, if he you're, yeah. drew his power from terrified dogs. If you're owning kennel, you're putting, maybe you perhaps you're putting down dogs as part mm-hmm. of your job for a living. Mm-hmm. And that's, you, you got all the access to the produce aisle. Exactly. I think he was feeding himself, you know, delicious dog kidney blanched in a nice white wine. Um, yeah, I know, I know. It's horrible, but I, I mean, I think it's it's plausible. I'm not just riffing to 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 disgust all. I mean, you. look, where there's smoke, there's fire. If this guy kills him for potentially having eaten his dog, I'm in, and and all the dogs, you know, let it happen. I'm inclined mm-hmm. to agree with you here. Right, and why does he live in the middle of the desert with a bunch of dogs? Who needs, to your point initially, Eric? Like, and guys, seventy-one dogs. Well. If you've got your own sustainable food source, essentially, if you actually view them like cattle, then he's just a, a, like a responsible sheep farmer. He's just planning for the future. So his buddy, um, his buddy that was like dropping off the canned goods was just dropping off sides. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's all it was <laughs> Lima beans, lima beans, a little, uh, yeah, a little spinach, a little yeah. cream of spinach. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Uh, Alsop goes out there, says, you ate my dog. He says, no, I didn't eat him, but I did have him. Now he's dead, and I did bury him in my backyard. Sorry, I didn't tell you, which is a lie and fucked up. So Alsop leaves uh, visibly distraught, crying, goes and visits with Forgia, the 19-year-old that he he went out there with when he murdered the man, and says, this fucker, he ate my dog. He ate my fucking dog. Ten days go by from his returning to town visibly distraught because his dog had passed, and he goes back out there with the girl and shotguns down Davies. He then robs him of his wallet and a green little box of, of possessions, which we don't, was sort of like a, a mystery box. Now, what's in the box? As far as anybody knows, he only got $17. And then he goes... And he attempts to remove Davy's gold teeth. And that is the answer to mm-hmm. why he was called the Newberry Tooth Fairy. Mm-hmm. Ah. Like I'm a- so the, here's the, how he names himself the Tooth Fairy. Before the trial starts, and this, this is kind of hilarious in its stupidity, he sends a series of letters to his friends and acquaintances basically asking them to falsify their account of whatever they know about this killing if if they were to get called in the trial. And he signs each of those letters the Newberry Tooth Fairy. Hmm. Like, like, he thinks so that weird. it's quite hilarious that, like, he killed this guy and tried to take his teeth. And then he sends letters out to everyone he knows being like, please lie for me if you get called. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He, yeah, he really wants the nickname to stick. He's he does he's like the like it. like Daniel Stern in Home Alone. We're the Wet Bandits. Right. The Wet exactly. Bandits. <laughs> damn it! He's just trying really proactively to brand himself. Yeah, yeah, it's branding. Yeah, exactly. 
And how did he get caught and end up on trial in the first place? Because he was going all over town, both Hinkley and Newberry Springs, the nearby town he was from, and bragging to everyone that he, the Tooth Fairy, had killed the Dog Man. Um, so wild. And it makes me question a lot about all of it. Yeah. Yeah. He seems like he's seeking some sort of notoriety. So, so what happened to him? So he got 37 years to life. And part of the reason that the sentence was so extreme was that he did have two prior convictions for a uh, violent robbery. So mm. huh. other than the fact that Davies eating dogs seems to explain everything about Davies and his actions and situation, the whole idea of Alsup being some kind of avenging angel does kind of seem to be BS when you consider that he was very proud of the killing and had multiple violent priors. Yeah. So it's kind of a believe-what-you-want situation. I think uh, they're both bad. <laughs> That's the conclusion <laughs> yeah. I'm coming to, is that these people are both terrible. Yeah, and once again, fact... I want to stay away from Hinkley. Yeah, well, and everybody in Hinkley who didn't think Davies was eating the dogs, by the way, and this was also in the newspaper, I'm not making this up either, thought that he was molesting them. What the So fuck? pretty much, pretty much... A hundred percent of the people in town thought he was either a dog cannibal or a dog fucker. So he was definitely a bad, bad guy. Okay, but so just to bring it back to the other story real quick, where they let a murderer off because they were all like, we know his wife. This was more or less justified. Here they're saying the guy who got killed was a monster of some variety, but the guy that killed him was also a monster. So we're definitely taking him down. It does just seem complete, like totally BS doesn't it? I agree. That doesn't seem like fair or justifiable at all. But I would say this. One happened in 1966 and one happened in 1983, a conviction in 84. So maybe it's just, mm. you know, 18 years later, people are less comfortable with obvious sociopaths wandering their town than they were in the 60s. Yeah, but now they're just riddled with stray dogs. <laughs> Nobody to eat them. <laughs> By the way, guys, Hinkley is a kind of murdery, very murdery name, and not just for towns. Uh, throughout history, you find the name Hinkley on both sides of the law, both sides of the bullet. They're both the murderers and the murderees. Examples, uh, in 1906, Albert Hinkley murdered a man named Tom LaRock. In 2002, drug-addled PCP head Matthew Markey of Reseda shot poor John Hinkley, not John Hinkley Jr., Another John Hinckley, dead in what I can only assume was a dispute involving the Cobra Kai Karate Dojo. Um, and then, of course, <laughs> the most famous example in, in pop culture awareness would be in 1981 when John Hinckley Jr. Um, shot President Reagan. Um, and then, Eric, I, I, I believe you've played John Hinckley Jr., right? Uh, yeah, no, I did. I played John Hinckley Jr. in a, an NBC show. Uh, called Timeless that was on for a few seasons where they're traveling back in time to catch a bad time traveler. And in this particular instance, they went back to the Reagan assassination attempt. And I played a, yeah, I played him. I had the same haircut at the time. And uh, yeah, it, wow. it, it worked out. It was really interesting researching that because uh, he famously did it to impress Jodie Foster. Uh, right. <laughs> Insane. Um, I remember seeing your photo on Facebook. You were pretty much a dead ringer when you had that weird sort of, you know, swept over bangs hair. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it was kind of fun to dress up like that. They put on the sideburns, uh, the whole deal. And um, and part of the, the job was the, the beginning of the episode, I'm essentially reading verbatim these letters that he had written to Jodie Foster. Insane. Whoa. Insane. Uh, wow. Do you remember any excerpts from those letters? <laughs> no. So, no. Not to put you no. on the spot, but no. I'm so fucking um, curious now. I know, yeah. Maybe another... Uh, uh, episode but yeah he he wounded reagan and uh and famously uh james brady who was what was he at the time secretary he of later state. became the famous gun control advocate yeah james became brady, the yes, that, secretary of that state that yes. brought forth the brady bill which made um uh the guns have background checks and a waiting period which maybe uh saved a lot of kind of murdery things from happening hopefully yeah you know yes a lot of very yes, many kind of, <laughs> really quickly about timeless was this was the evil time traveler inhabiting the body of John Hinckley Jr.? Was this like a quantum leap kind of murder edition? No, there was like, no, that- no, there was no leaping or <laughs> leaping home. Uh, it was mostly just that the government had developed a time traveling machine, but then bad guys had kind of, you know, power got into the wrong hands with that, and then they had to go find them. Like Time Cop. Yeah, Wait. I love John Claude Van Damme fans. Anyone? <laughs> time Cop. Good the one. bad guys go through the gate, and he has to go after them. Mm-hmm. 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 Good concept. Classic. Yeah. As an adult, like the most memorable thing about all the Van Damme classics, which I adore, are just the gratuitous uncalled for sex scenes, which I mean, I guess were cool when I was a teenager, but like now watching it, it's like, why is the mulleted Van Damme just like banging yet another <laughs> chick? And does this have to last for 15 minutes? It's well, actually always in a, his writer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he has a bare ass in. shot. Yeah, a bare ass shot, and his ass has to be like moist in some fashion, whether it be uh, doing like doing bare ass shot is like in the shot list for sure. So, but none of those Hinkleys are the Hinkleys I want to tell you about right now. The Hinkley I want to tell you about right now, and this is that story I had called "Catch Me If You Can Perform Brain Surgery," and let me explain why that is. The year is 1950. Charles Hinckley Jr., a 26-year-old ex-Marine with movie star good looks. And by the way, they put this guy's picture in uh, basically every article about him because he was that handsome. And he could probably be played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Wow. Hence the Catch Me If You Can Mm. reference. But I'll get to that. It's not just the looks. Okay, so he is in Miami on car theft charges. When I say in, I mean in prison. Mm. He gets arrested for auto theft in Miami. However, he's already facing a raft of charges. I guess he probably stole the car to escape the law uh, for check kiting, for for writing fake checks, just like Mm. the guy in Catch Me If You Can. This, of course, is decades earlier, but same deal. So while he's in jail in Miami on car theft, knowing that he has all these fraud, bad check charges looming, he's, uh, he's reading an article in the newspaper about experimental lobotomies, uh, specifically uh, experimental lobotomies that will um, sever your frontal lobe, allegedly the part of your brain that causes you to engage in criminal activities. He says to the authorities, because by the way, they also mentioned that this guy is from a very good family, apparently like a wealthy, uh, well-known Northeastern family. One of those. He says, like, the quote is, my goose is cooked. I'm looking at decades in prison. He says, 
if there is an experimental surgery that could cure me of my inveterate criminal activities, I would like to volunteer to be a guinea pig for it. Wow. In lieu of going to prison. That is bonkers. Oh, in exchange for not going to prison. Correct. In exchange for not going to prison, I'm going to let you crack open my brain pan, get a saw and a ball peen hammer, and remove the part of me that makes me bad. Holy shit. Can't see how this can go wrong. Yeah. That great, is nuts. Great plan, right? And so then the idea is he will have this experimental lobotomy. He will then recuperate in a you know mental hospital with the best with around-the-clock care for a period of two years while he basically reboots his mind. And then now, then he'll be a functioning member of society and he'll be let go and allowed to live the rest of his life. And I guess because wow. he's 26 years old, in the prime of things, he feels like this is worth rolling the dice on. Uh, and okay. so, so wow. he, he has the surgery. Wait, they were like, sure? <laughs> <laughs> the judge said, the judge said, you don't have to ask me to, the judge was like, you had me at hello. You had me at lobotomy. Seems legit. Uh, yeah. You know, and it, this made me think of one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Goddamn marvel of modern science. Yeah. And how yeah. this practice was not so, was quickly, quickly following this moment in time became not so outside of the mainstream for a way to deal with unruly people. Um, So I can't believe that. I mean, what the, like, I just can't wrap my head around signing up for that. I mean, can any of you? I hate to raise, I hate to raise your expectations too much, fellas, but uh, the story gets better. Oh, here we go. Okay. So (laughs) he has the surgery. He is recuperating in a VA hospital in Massachusetts, and he's supposed to recuperate there for two years. It's worth noting that because he was from this great family, he also said as a condition of this sort of get out of jail free lobotomy or get out of jail for a lobotomy, um, he raised the money from his own friends, family and acquaintances to pay for this $3,500 operation not cheap in 1950 i think my grandparents bought their house on an acre of land in the bay area for 10 grand around the same time so 3500 dollars is a lot of money um in those days he he pays for it himself he's recuperating for about six months he escapes from Mm. the mental institution he goes he goes on the lamb and runs around the country writing bad checks again. Full criming again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah the same crime that, he, that this was going to lobotomize him out of. Okay. He, uh, yeah. no, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> go, go ahead, please. No, well, jump okay, in, please. I guess my question then is, all right, he's convinced the judge to let him get this surgery. He's got the money to pay for it himself. Did he actually get it? Or did he just pay them to pretend that he'd gotten it? No, he got it. He got it. He was in the hospital with like state doctors recovering from his lobotomy for six for six months before he escaped. He absolutely wow. got the surgery. He escapes, runs around the country writing bad checks again. Three weeks later, gets caught. 
this guy's amazing. I want to hire him to sell my house, my car. <laughs> I want him. I, I want to like honestly, he's he's like Donald Trump, but like good at it. Like he says, this is what he says. The surgery was a total success. I am absolutely no longer a criminal. Surgery was a total success, huge success, huge, great, amazing success. Beautiful, he says. But then he goes, the thing is, it's your guys' fault because the reason I went back to my old ways was because I didn't have the two years of recovery time, and it's your fault for not doing a better job guarding me because... If you people oh had God. guarded me better, I never would have escaped. I would have gotten to the end of my brain surgery recovery, and I would have been an absolutely functional, on the up and up, upstanding member of society. And by the way, don't send me to prison now, because this is your fault. Just let me go back to the hospital and finish recuperating, and then I'll be fine, because the surgery was a total success. Unbelievable. I don't understand how that's going to help him the longer he's there. Unless it's some sort of like reform. Did he offer up any other part of himself to be cut out now? Like, <laughs> like, is there, like now you can take. You can take my pinky toes. And, right. uh, and I promise I'll no never do crime. another crime. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I just found it amazing that he stood hard by the surgery was a total success. The only issue is I'm not healed yet. And that's your fault for not guarding me in a more draconian manner. I mean, that That's that was an wild. amazing sales line right I, there. I thought it was going to go somewhere different. I'm shocked he's still this with it to even have these conversations because he's yeah. had a lobotomy. I, I mean, which I imagine at that point, not an exact science. Right, uh, that's, that's, that's what where I was going to go with this, which is that, like, any time I've seen lobotomies portrayed in, like, popular culture, like, as soon as, like, someone has the lobotomy, they're just a fucking zombie for the rest of their life. So yeah. how is he pulling this off? Maybe this was a highly targeted lobotomy where they removed less of the brain than they otherwise would because he was rich and well-connected. Or maybe, Mm. your point, Adam, maybe they opened up his head, he paid somebody off, and they actually opened up his head, but they didn't actually remove anything. I'm I'm leaning in that direction. I uh, I think that's what happened here. Well, Eric, you know, I'm so excited you could come on the show. It's been oh, so pleasure, fun. Man. It's been great to see you. Yeah, just to get the, to hang you know, here. Yeah. Totally. It's great. Um, I, I just really appreciate you being here, and it's, you know, it's just a blast. And so, um, of course. thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. For Sean Christensen from Criminal Content, on-air producer Adam Volrich, and very special guest Eric Stockland, I'm Zevin Odelberg, and this has been Kinda Murdery. This is Kinda Murdery, Ghost Towns of the Mojave Desert, presented by Criminal Contact. You can find us online at kindamurdery.com and on all social media at kindamurdery. Email us at contact at kindamurdery.com. Listen to us on all your favorite podcasting apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Google, and more. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends about the show.